Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Ariel Helwani, back with another jam-packed edition of the Wednesday Helwani Show. We got the heavyweight champ, Stipe Miocic, coming up. We've got Sugar Sean O'Malley coming up. We've got Tyron Woodley coming up. What do they all have in common? They're all competing this Saturday at UFC 260. So stay tuned for three really great conversations. But before we get to all that, of course, as you know, the NCAA tournament is in full swing. And who better to give you all your college basketball information than Seth Greenberg and Dan Dakich. These two give you the inside access to the world of college basketball on their podcast entitled Courtside with Greenberg and Dakich. Make sure to rate, review, and follow Courtside wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, this Saturday is UFC 260, Stipe Miocic, Francis Ngannou, the rematch, three and a half years in the making for the undisputed UFC heavyweight title goes down March 27th, this Saturday. ESPN Plus pay-per-view, and it's exclusively available to ESPN Plus subscribers for just $69.99. Visit ESPNPlus.com slash PPV for more. All right, let's talk a little 260. On to today's program, which does contain some language that may not be suitable for all audiences. So as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Helwani's MMA Show. Back in your life on this Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the program. Like I said at the very top, we're all about UFC 260 this week. Big time pay-per-view going down this Saturday in Las Vegas. Perhaps the last for, I don't know, a few months at the Apex. We know April 24th, they're going to Jacksonville. We know May 15th, they're going to Houston, Texas for 262. So this could be the last one at the the cozy confines of the UFC Apex, the smaller cage as well. We're getting a heavyweight title rematch, a fight that is three and a half years in the making. Of course, back in January of 2018, Stipe Miocic fought Francis Ngannou for the first time. Francis was on a roll. He was blazing hot. He was coming off that amazing knockout of Alistair Overeem. They fought in a rematch at the TD Garden. The first round, in my opinion, was the the round of 2018. A lot of people disagreed with me, but if you go back and you look at the tension and the buildup and and, and the shots that Francis was throwing, it was just fascinating theater. Of course, Stipe was able to weather that storm and eventually won via decision. And it looked like Francis would not be able to to rebound from that loss because you'll recall a few months later in Las Vegas, he lost to Derek Lewis in a very underwhelming fight, one of the worst fights in UFC history, booed out of the building, booed out of the T-Mobile arena. But then he came back, and since then he's won four in a row, and he's on some kind of roll. He's on an unbelievable winning streak right now. And it's not just because you know he's won four fights in a row. That's not what makes this so um you know, so intriguing. Four fights in a row isn't the craziest thing in the world. It's the way in which he is winning these fights. Somehow after the Derek Lewis fight, when everyone was ready to uh, dance on his grave and anoint him as a, a never was, he has been able to turn things around. He knocks out Curtis Blades in 45 seconds in November of 2018. He knocks out Cain Velasquez in 26 seconds in February of 2019. He knocks out Junior Dos Santos in a minute and 11 seconds in June of 2019. And then, of course, 
He knocks out Jarzinho Rosenstrike in just 20 seconds back in May of last year. The crime is that he hasn't been very active, but this is a man who's on a roll, and now everyone wants to see if he's able to uh, to do what he's done to those four guys, to the champ Stipe, who doesn't get enough credit, who doesn't get enough love, who isn't a showman necessarily, but still, uh, in my opinion, the most decorated and successful heavyweight champion of all time. The facts back it up. Most wins in UFC heavyweight title fight history, most title defenses. Uh, the man has a a resume right now that is uh, unmatched, in my opinion. So in a minute, we'll hear from Stipe. I uh, spoke to him a few days ago, and uh, it's a great conversation. You know, not one to puff his chest, but if you could get him to uh, to open up, he's an interesting fellow. We'll also talk to Tyron Woodley, who meets Vicente Luque in a potential must-win situation for him if he wants to stick around in the UFC. He's approaching the end of his deal. And, of course, Sugar Sean O'Malley as well, who meets... Thomas Almeida coming off the first loss of his career against Marlon Vera. He doesn't consider it a loss. Bit of an interesting approach to uh, that first defeat. And I'm sure it's one that a lot of people are going to have some thoughts on. But for now, let us go to my conversation with Stipe Miocic, the baddest man on the planet, the heavyweight champion of the world, just days before his title defense against Francis Ngannou. Enjoy. The Cormier saga lasted around like, you know, two and a half years, right? How happy were you to finally move on and not have to think about him anymore? Oh, I mean, it was a long three, two and a half years. It was like, I said it was like a relationship. Like you're on, you're off, you're on, you're off. Uh, no, no, it was great. I mean, listen, he's, he's, he's awesome. He's a great fighter. He's a great ambassador for the sport, like I've always said. Um, you know, and he's, I wish him nothing best. You know, he has, he has had a baby and, and his wife, and that's great. I wish him nothing but the best, man. He's a great guy. No hard feeling. You know, usually when you have a trilogy with someone, there might be some bad blood. No, You see him down the street, you shake his hand, no problem. Oh, for sure. Well, in the midst of it all, there was, you know, you felt like he wasn't giving you the rematch. Although, like, it did seem like there was some animosity there, no? Well, he's just playing the game, I guess you would say, right? Right. Okay. But none of that has lingered. All good. No. no I don't. You'll probably hear his voice in the middle of your fight, right? I mean, he's going to be calling. Like, like, hey, DC, you shut up now. <laughs> And now here you are in another rematch against a guy that you know fairly well. What's the biggest difference between this Stipe and the one who fought Francis back in 2018? I'm more efficient. What do you mean by that? Just overall, I mean, <clears throat> I learn more about my body. I'm stronger. I mean, I'm lighter, but I'm stronger. I'm faster. I'm feeling like I'm conditioned. I'm, you know, worked on you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, I feel like I'm a lot, and I'm getting better every day. And, you know, that's to my coaches and um you know like yeah he's gotten better too you know he's still young and he's hungry he wants something that i have unfortunately though i'm the champ and i'm not giving it up and you know he won't be champ until i'm done hmm. uh, when's the last time you watched that first fight oh I, 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 you won't watch it leading up to this one oh well i mean we'll do like you know stuff but it was like what three and a half years ago three years ago i mean there's i mean he's, i mean uh, some stuff, but do you feel like he has improved greatly since then? Yeah, yeah, I think he's, I think his confidence has gotten better. Um, I think he uh, we're gonna like it. Stuff. He's got a good camp, and you know, it'll be coming, it'll be done for me. I remember that first round, I actually gave that first round uh, my award for round of the year, and everyone said I was yeah. crazy. But the reason I gave it the round of the year because I remember the tension was so great because he had just come off knocking out. Overeem and like his head fell back and all that and like it yeah. just felt like 
two cars about the crash, and you did an amazing job of weathering the storm, and then, of course, you, you went on to win the, the fight rather convincingly. What do you remember about the tension in the cage when you fought him the first time? Oh, it was tension. You know, it was definitely electric. The, the, the Boston fans are crazy. You know, they're going nuts. It was awesome. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have tension back then. You know, I know that, you know, people were looking for a knockout. They wanted, they wanted my head to go flying out, out of the cage. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, fortunately, I was not, not going to let that happen. Um, but, yeah, I just remember, you know, he's coming in. He was swinging. He's trying to take, take my head out and just, you know, weather the storm, be smart, do my thing, and, you know, and find a way. Uh, did he ever hit you clean? Like, do you feel like you ever felt his power? And if so, would you say that he hits harder than anyone you've ever faced? Yeah, I mean, I know he hits hard. I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure he'd be pretty good. I mean, my face is pretty beat up after the first round. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he hits hard. You know what I mean? I think he does. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. He hits hard. So, I mean, I know he's going to hit hard again on, on Saturday. How much do you expect to weigh on, on the Friday before the fight? Mm, I don't know, 233 again, 232 like I did last time. You're noticeably slimmer, though. It's like a different 230-something, right? What, what has changed? Yeah. Well, the quarantine hit, I wanted to glow up, so I grew my hair out, slicked it back. You look fantastic with the glasses you and know, everything. I, I mean, listen, I'm just trying to have the American dream, dude. But no, what, what is the difference? Because it's very noticeable. Just, I guess, like I said, listen to my body. Um, eating right. Uh, you know, thanks to my wife. She, she's an amazing cook. And just taking supplements and... I really never took before, and then, uh, you know, I was like, I'm really into, like, knowing what I'm taking, and, um, uh, and, and just listening to my body, and drinking water, and, you know, doing the right things, I guess you'd say. Was that something that you felt like you needed to do to prolong your career, to get slimmer? Did you feel like it added speed, it added to your fighting ability, to your success in the cage? Uh, I mean, I don't know about, like, longevity, but more you know, just to help me out in everyday life, too, you know, I think, uh, I think losing a little bit of 10, 12 pounds definitely, you know, felt better in my body. I wasn't like as beat up and sore in some spots. I usually am like my lower back and things like that. Mm. And and I know it was a problem for you last time as you were preparing for the trilogy because of the lockdown in Ohio. And But you, you then had to train at home, but it ended up being a blessing in disguise in many respects for you because you got to be with your family, with your daughter, with your wife. This time around, what was it like? Oh, it was great. I mean, we still did the same thing we did last camp. Everything, nothing changed. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's great. You know, the one thing I never wanted to do was have a gym in my house and try to have one. But my daughter loves it. She loves it like, more than me. She runs around. She runs around and goes hammering in. And I don't feel bad if she like running to walk and it's padded. So <laughs> it's all good. So, so for this fight, you trained at home as well. Well, both. I did like I did last camp. I did both. You know, I would train at home half at the gym. Okay. Um, how close, in your opinion, was it, you know, the, the one that everyone is dying to see is, is you versus John Jones. How close was it for this fight to be John Jones versus Stipe? I don't know. I don't, I don't do contract negotiations. I'm not an agent. I'm a fighter. I know, but you, you have preferences, right? You have goals, aspirations. Uh, well, of course I have goals and aspirations, but, like, listen, I'm not going to choose who I fight. I'm going to fight who the UFC wants me to fight. They want me to fight in Ghana, so. Okay, so you didn't voice, hey, I, that's a super fight, heavyweight, light heavyweight champ, going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Yeah, no, I mean, but I think Francis deserved it. I mean, he was on a two-zone tear. And... Are you excited about the potential fight against John if you get by Francis? I know you're probably going to say I'm focused on Francis. It's going to be the, the classic answer, but there's got to be a part of you that wants that fight, right, that is interested in well, that I mean, fight? Well, when, when I win, I win on Saturday, yes, but, you know, like I said, I'm focusing on <laughs> Fair enough. By the way, speaking of management, uh, you're now with Gary V in Vayner Sports. I am. 
Did you know who Gary Vee was before they courted you? Were you a big yes. fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just, you know, he's all, he's all about it. And, you know, he's, he's awesome. They're all awesome. He has incredible energy. Does he uh, talk to you about, you know, mindset and, and branding and all these things? Do you, do you guys ever get into discussions about that? Yeah, I mean, we talk, maybe, you know, text here and there. And, you know, I mean, he's a busy man, too. But, uh, you know, we, we, they, they, they have an amazing team, not just him, but the whole, whole, whole team, like, across the board. They're all they're amazing. Honestly, I'm very lucky. I just wish I found them, like, six years ago. You're also, uh, and this might shock some, uh, you are a podcast host. Uh, jabs, I do believe, and and yes. I love this because like every time I talk to you, I feel like you hate me and don't want to talk to me. And now you're hosting a podcast as well. I mean, come on, Sipe. Listen, I'm, trying, I'm writing your coattails, bro. <laughs> do you enjoy it? Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we actually, yeah, you know, it's like we've been trying to do this for four years, and then you know we just couldn't do it. Just a lot of things were going on around my life, and then certain management wouldn't let me do it, and because they just long story, and then. I just said, Evan Lejay was after the second or third, right before I signed with Gary Vee. I, I was no joke. It was like uh, Tuesday. I looked at my wife and I'm like, I'm doing the podcast. I don't care anymore. And she's like, do what you want. Like, I don't care. And the next day, I think we had a meeting, our first meeting with Gary Vee. And he's like, you're doing a podcast. She's like, yes. I was like, oh, thank you. So it's great. And just, you know, it's two other buddies and we just, we mesh well. You know, I mean, we don't, we talk about everything. We just don't, don't just talk about MMA, but we just talk about everything. Just, you know, of course, MMA is on there, but we don't like make sure it's like a, main thing. And I do believe uh, you were a communications or at least some kind of communications major in college, right? Yes. I mean, that's just amazing in its own right. I was, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I have a great voice, you know, when people you know, hear me, and, you know, I don't mumble and all that good stuff. So whatever. Yeah. It, it, it clearly worked out. <laughs> it worked <laughs> out very nicely for you. What were you filming in LA recently? A TV show? Can't say. What do you mean you Maybe. can't say? Because I'm not allowed to talk about it. Why, why is it a secret? I know they told me to not say anything. Really? Okay, so it's a big, it's a big show. Well, I, mean, I think it's a big show. I mean, it's a fight, so it's a comedy. It's a comedy. Is it like a, a sitcom or a movie? Sitcom. The kind of sitcom where it's always sunny? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to that point, but yeah. Yeah, it's funny. You like it. I mean, if you watch the social media, you can kind of figure it out. Uh, when does it come out? In October. Is this the path you want to go on post-fight? You want to be an actor? Of course, man. Be a D-lister for life. Real, oh, really? Okay. The next rock, Dwayne Johnson. No, yeah. No, I actually, I was um, out there with the guys from Super Troopers to come FD. Oh. Super Troopers, the movie. No, no. Like the guys from Super Troopers. Okay. They were called to come FD. Okay. And so I was on that one. Wow. Okay. I like it. Uh, and that comes out in October. Yes. Now, of course, you know, can't ever talk to you without asking you about your, your firefighting, um, working for the fire department. When did you, are, are you still doing it up until this fight or did you take a prolonged break? Yeah, the Friday before the fight. So a week, like, you know, whatever, eight days before the fight. That's the last shift. Yep. And uh, during the pandemic, how much more different has your job been? Well, when it was hit, when it hit hard, like when, when everything legit was shut down, it was awkward because like, we, we do a lot of things during the day that make us go out to the city, like doing inspections and stuff like that, and just doing like hydrants and stuff like that. And like, we couldn't do any of that because, you know, everything was locked down, everything was open, so it was a point of doing it. And not, not that, but also, you know, you know, the whole, you know, pandemic, you want to like spread anything, God forbid you had it, or 
So we you know we, we took you know you know our, our cautions for you know dressing ourselves before we had a call if the call was COVID related. And then like you know we usually you know we we work during the day. You have like it's like a nine to five job. You have stuff to do. when You get there at seven seven thirty in the morning. You got truck checks. You do inspections. Do your continuing education. Yeah, you, you know you have a bunch of stuff. It's like three thirty, like an eight hour day. And then we legit wouldn't do anything. So we just make sure you know we do some training, but it doesn't only go so far. Wow. So it has made it a little more challenging. Well, now it's better. It's it's you know everything's opening up now, and you know how it's getting there, and so everything's opened up, but not you know like. You know, arenas and concerts and stuff, but in general, like, you know, it's open, restaurants are open. They lifted the curfew now, so opening's open until 2.30, bars and restaurants. So that was fun. So we just got to, once we get to 50 people per 100,000, like, um, so like 450 people a day, uh, we'll, we'll, they'll lift the masks. So we're, we're close, we're not far off, so. Okay. Uh, at any point in your career, as you were enjoying success, did anyone ever try to get you to leave that job to say, hey, focus on the fighting, and then when you're done, you could go back to it. No. And you'd never consider that, right? No, never. I, mean, I love what I do. And when you're, whenever the time comes when you stop fighting, would you think you'll do that full time? Try to. You know, you got to take tests. So. Right. I'm praying. So, I mean, I'm getting older, so hopefully you find something. After the DC fight, did they make you clean the toilets when you came back? Uh, no. It's actually the first time in a while. Actually, the guy that uh, that makes you usually do it, it wasn't there. He actually became a chief of another city. Actually, it's Jamie, the guy that's on my podcast. And uh, uh, we actually, it was the first time they ever did this. They actually had me sit down and talk the fight to him, like, well, what I was thinking, what I was doing. It was actually pretty cool. It was actually pretty sweet to like, have them, like, really be in tune to, like, what I was telling them. It was like, they wanted to know. Like, you know, they weren't just, like, talking smack. They actually wanted to sit down and just. No, what happened here? What were we thinking? Like, oh, okay, okay. Like, you know, it was it was kind of cool. Like a breakdown of the fight by me. Wow. So no chores, no hazing, no nothing. Well, it's always chores. I mean, haze no matter what it is. It matter if I'm if I won the belt that day or we're walking, you know, during not non fight camp. I mean, it's the same as always. I'm always getting crapped on. It seems like they're going easy on you. Dare I say? Uh, it depends. Depends who's working, I guess. Right, fair enough. By the way, uh, you know, in that fight it was a storyline, in the second fight it was a storyline, and it's become a storyline again in the sport. I'm just curious, you know, eye pokes are, are being talked about a lot right now. I don't know if you saw last week with the... Uh, oh, yeah, so I didn't see that. I didn't, like, watch, but I saw, like, the highlights and, like, the pictures and stuff. That sucks. Do you think it's time that the UFC seriously considers altering the gloves so that that sort of thing is deterred? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's hard... To do that because they, it's their their action. It's not like they're blatantly getting poked in the eye. You know, I mean, it is what it is. It sucks. It's part of the game. I mean, you know, like what someone's doing on purpose. That's a different story. But like, you know, a lot of times I'll think they're on purpose. And so, like, you mean alter alter glove. I mean, it definitely will help. I mean, maybe maybe. So yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, listen, like I said, I'm the fighter. I'm not the. No, but you've been there. Like some believe yeah. that if you just curve the gloves a little bit, it might deter it. Yeah, maybe, you know, I mean, it happens. I mean, like I said, it's an accident. I mean, I did my last fight, and I got poked, and I actually poked my opponent, and I didn't even realize I poked, and it was an accident, so. How is your eye? Oh, it's good. I mean, good. I, mean, I needed glasses, and like, for the record, like, I, I didn't need glasses because I tore my retina. Like, when I tore my retina, it's not because I need I needed glasses in general. Like, I needed them before. I was just being covered and didn't want to get them, but, uh, yeah. Just, no, no. I had nothing to do with that, folks, or anything like that. 
but it doesn't it doesn't hamper you. There's no uncomfortable moments. It's pretty much rear view mirror. Yeah, no, when I take them off, I mean, it takes me about a good, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, like, readjusting, you know? Uh, okay, fair enough. Um, and, and, and we're rounding third here to use a, uh, a baseball analogy. Uh, I know, thank, thank God. God. I know, I know. This is like an interrogation for you, Steve. Uh, when, when people say to you, baddest man on the planet, I've said it a couple times, I legitimately think that you own that title in addition to being the UFC heavyweight. Like, there are very few people on the planet that could do anything to you if it's, you know, armed combat. Do you feel comfortable with that? Like, do you, do you wear that proudly, or does that, is that just stuff that the media says? No, it's great. It's great to be, you know, put that out there. And, you know, it's sweet. It means you're doing something right. And, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm definitely not the best man on the planet in my household. I'm like, you know, just a mule. Like, go, go, go scrub the floors, you know, and I'm joking. My wife's awesome. <laughs> no, but I... Yeah, my daughter don't care either. She, you know, she, she, she had butted me earlier today. I was so mad at her. I was like, "Why would you do that?" Well, they did in a week. Uh, but uh, no, they, um, yeah, it's great. Honestly, it's cool. I'm mean, like me, you know, man. Not about the hoopla, but it's kind of cool, you know. And the more and more I think about it, the more I talk about it, it's sweet. I mean, I feel like at home, as far as the pecking order, the the pound for pound rankings, you're number three right now. Maybe even number four I'm behind the baby. I'm maybe number, number five now. Oh, who's, what, are you getting twins? My twins. Well, no, no, because I got my dog, too. My dog's ahead of me. So it's like, you know, the two kids. Well, yeah, two kids, the number one, the wife, and the dog, and then. And then you. And, and, but the problem is when my mom or my, my, my parents come over, her in-laws, and I, I drop down even more. It's, it's the worst. I, I've never seen anything like it. It's like the worst ranking system of all time. Uh, later this year, we're hoping to get Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. I saw that. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, and, and when you see, like, people like people will say, that's the baddest man on the planet. When you watch that, do you say, man, I would love to, I would love to test myself against those guys at some point? Oh, yeah, I would love to. I feel like that, see... Absolutely. See, when I asked you about Jones, you didn't get this excited. Why does that excite you more? It's different. It's a different fight, different combat. I mean, something on the rim, I think, uh, you know, but, you know, you know, boxing is all about technique, but also I'll make it into a fight. John Jones would be the same way, you know. But in you would like to go in their world and do it, right? Not them in an MMA. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Why is that? Well, I think it's more of a more of a fair fight. You know what I'm saying? Fair fight for them, maybe not for you. Well, no. I mean, we both stand in. We, we we both stand in. We start standing, you know. And, and with them, you know, we can kick, we can take down. Like they're not used to that. I'm not. They're young again. So you would like to go on, on their turf, so to speak, and prove that you are truly the better fighter? Yeah, absolutely. Between those two guys, is there one that would interest you more? No, I mean, they're both, they're both great fighters. You know, they're both, it's going to be a hell of a fight I can't wait to watch. Hopefully I can go. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, have you thought about how many more years you want to do this for? I don't know. I feel like every fight, everyone's always asking me that question. I feel you guys want me out of here. No. You know, it's funny that you say that. Actually, it's a big pet peeve of mine, and I'm trying to do it less. The reason I brought it up, I was actually hoping you would say that. You know why? Because I feel like what? Amanda Nunes is experiencing it as well. It's like we see someone gain this amazing success, and we try to, like, push them out. Like, is this it? What yeah. do you want to be done? Right? Yeah. It's like a one-night stand. Like, it's time to leave. Can see you later, you know? Good night. No. Yeah, no. I feel like with the last fight, I'm like, Jesus, guys. I'm like, I just won. Why are we talking about retirement? Like, Listen, I feel like we're tying after every fight since, since UFC 136. Like, I think about it every fight. Like, I'm like, once, once I get there, I'll get there. I mean, I'm not having fun, I'm out. But you're having fun now. 
It's an amazing thing because some of your recent foes, JDS, Alistair Overeem, even the man who beat you many moons ago, Stefan Struve, uh, all out of the UFC now. When you, when you start to hear about that, how do you internalize that? <laughs> Young views are coming in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, listen, I love what I do. That's all I keep saying. Does it does it make you appreciate your longevity and appreciate your success and that you're still at the? You fought, you know, a couple of those guys. You fought them for a championship. You're still here. They're not. Does it make yeah, you? Uh, yeah, it makes me appreciate my coaches and my teammates. And if it wasn't, for them, I wouldn't be where I'm at. How do you win on the 27th of March? You'll find out. You'll definitely see me in my hand raised with the belt still wrapped in the waist and your hand still. Something's going to change. Finish? Well, of course. We always try for the finish. But you'll find out. Thank you, Stipe. Good luck. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you, man. You too. Can you do like a, can you do like a Drake quote or something? Can you do like Drake right now. I look like Drake? Yeah, it kind of like for a split second. Wow. You know what? I don't know if anyone's ever said anything nicer to me in my life. I mean, that is the greatest compliment I've ever received. Well, I mean, you, you Canadians got to stick together, right? Canadians, Jewish. I mean, we got a lot in common. Oh, is he Jewish? He's half Jewish. His mom is Jewish. So I, didn't know, Jewish. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, boom, you're welcome. Wait a second. Are you a Drake fan? I mean, I like some of the songs. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't like I really, really... Whoa, wait a second. You, are you saying that you're a bigger Drake fan? You're a bigger fan of Drake than Machine Gun Kelly. I feel like that's what you just oh, said. See, 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 you're probably recording this right now trying to make me look bad, but no, it's a complete lie. That's a complete lie. Honestly. No, uh, no I do like some of the songs. I mean, I like a lot of people's songs. You know, there's a lot of songs that, you know, I don't want to have like a favorite. I, I love MGK. I love his music, of course. But also, he's from Cleveland that helps. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's Star from the Bottom over here, and the Sicko Mode's pretty good. That's one of, my, one of my favorite songs by him. That is a good one, yeah. Uh, Travis Scott, right? Yep, Travis Scott. Yeah. The hair for you is a is a great. I don't know who you look like, but so, it's someone. I don't, I can't really quite figure it out, but a lot more. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's it. Yeah, no, it's funny. I was actually with his hair. I was uh, um, watching one of my wife's watching a show with my wife. One of the reality shows she's watching. One of the girls on the show's boyfriend was on the show, and we were eating dinner. And the guy had slicked back hair. I go, man, babe, I was like, I'm really I was born some slick back. It was right before like COVID hit, probably like a month before. So uh, yeah, yeah. So I grow my hair out, and her best friend, one of her best friend, we're really good friends, cuts my hair. She's a that's her own salon. So I went there, I talked to her, my granny. What do I do, girl? She's like, all right, just gotta train it. And here we are. Wow. What do you mean train it? Like just like to go backwards, like because I have never, I never slicked my hair back ever. So I don't know, not so much training, but just kind of make it go that way. You know, make sure you know, like like a wave almost. You know. So, uh, you know. Now, what about when you fight, though? Because it looked like it was get, not getting in your face, but that could happen, right? No, I cut it above my eyes. Mm-hmm. I, I cut it above my eyes. You know, because like, when it's long, when I'm training, it's long. Like, it legit poked me in the eye. Yes, fighting. that's a big problem. We've seen fighters actually get distracted by the hair, so I was wondering. Yeah, no, I cut, I cut it above my eyes. I cut it a little higher, so I can sweat or not. Well, you look fantastic, and I love the fact that... Uh, uh, your your Instagram feed has you know you ever see Wayne's World two? Yes. You yeah. know you you know that scene in Wayne's World two where Garth is like, you know Phil you know he's like Reebok Pepsi Pizza Hut all this stuff it's like all yeah. at, he's like cover that's that's basically what happened to your your social media it's like 
ad, 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 ad. I'm like, man, this guy's making money. Everything's an ad. It's incredible. It's like you, this product, no, that no, product. No, it used to be really bad. I got really upset about that. It's a lot of ads. <laughs> I know. I didn't want it like that. Just, you know, previous management made it that way. And it was like, a, I felt like a billboard, you know? But you're getting paid, so that's good. That's true, too. Yeah, I, I, you know, at the same time, but at the same time, I want people to know me. You know? I don't want people to, you know, feel like that. I'm just like, you know, looking like, I want people to like know me personally. You know, I'm a funny guy, you know, camera hard on my sleeve. You know, I like long walks to the beach. I'm a Leo. I like glasses and wine in front of the fireplace. Just the typical stuff, you know? You're a lot like Kawhi Leonard. People don't, you know, they, they see the tough exterior, but you're a fun guy underneath it all. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I'm looking for a good time. Not a long time, a good time. That's true, yes, yes. I want to go to bed eventually. So. All right. <laughs> Stipe, thank you. All the best. I appreciate the time. Good luck on the 27th. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys later. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, let's say hello now to another man who will be competing this Saturday at UFC 260. Massive fight for Tyron Woodley. He's going up against Vicente Luque. Uh, A very important fight in his career and wanted to check in with him before he heads off to Las Vegas and, and see where he's at. Tyron, I appreciate the time very much. And so no I think that is the big question. How do you feel going into this fight? I know it's such a, it's such a simple cliche question, but I feel like there's a lot riding on this one for you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, you know, um, <clears throat> a lot of emotion going into this training camp and just, you know, and just into any training camp, to be honest, you know, it's been 15, 16 years of doing this fighting thing and, you know, my last three fights didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And I really didn't understand. I didn't really place it, but I feel like the things in my life, um, they were kind of chaotic and kind of all over the place. Um, I mean, you got to pay up, you got to pay the piper for some certain seats you planted the ground. I feel like I got accustomed to the lifestyle and I started becoming the lifestyle. And I don't think any other form of art took away from mixed martial arts because I do believe everything goes together. Um, I think, in about five or six years, maybe 10 years at the most, you'll start seeing more athletes doing different forms of art. And they'll let you know that it really actually helps because music is music is such a big part of fighting. We listen to it when we train, we walk out to it. Um, it's an expression. Um, same thing with television and movies. And you see a lot of people doing analyst work <clears throat> as they're fighting, but no one's saying that them doing analyst work is taken away from their fighting when it's the same thing as me being in a recording studio. So the balance of life for me is a lot different now, you know, back to the basics and just, you know, whether it's basic technique or the basic, you know, just not going out and just spending money and doing silly shit and being all out in the streets, you know, the pandemic really put me back at home where I belong, you know, with my kids and, you know, really put me back in focus. And I do feel like those seeds I planted, 
I feel like the last thorn bushes are gone. You know what I mean? Because I trained for those fights. I was ready for those fights. I was prepared for those fights. There's nothing that happened. Nothing my opponents did that surprised me. And it was just, I was just there. And I was just watching myself lose. And um, I'm tired of doing that shit. So my coach has just really been working on mentality. It's not so much uh, a skill set thing with me or training or work ethic. Nobody has to push me to work hard. Nobody has to yell at me and call me in the morning or wake me up. I'm already internally motivated to be the best. But mentality-wise, they had to put me into like a, kind of violent but dangerous mentality, you know what I mean? Everything I'm doing in training is trying to hurt hurt something or hurt somebody or put myself in a position where, you know, the next move that a person makes puts them in a worse situation. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about. And Vicente is a good fighter. You know, they call him the silent assassin because he's very good, but he don't get a lot of credit for how good he is. He's very consistent, very durable, um, good condition in a lot of his fights that, he may have been losing and towards the end of the fight, he found a way to finish and he found a way to, you know, come out on top. So he's not a guy that you're going to steam with a couple of punches or combinations and that's going to be it. He's going to stick around for most of the fight. You mentioned the, uh, the violent mentality. How, how do you like, how do you develop that? Like, how do you flip that switch? What do you guys do? I just turned it back on. I lived that switch. That switch was my life before, you know, before organized fighting. You know what I mean? When I grew up in the street, I forget, I, forget, I was a game maker. I fought all the time. I used to black out, didn't remember a lot of stuff. I knocked people out when I was a young, young kid and nobody understood how somebody so small can hit somebody and they be unconscious. And um, that's how, that's kind of how I built my name. And I really separated myself from that because it's part of my life I wasn't really happy with, you know what I mean? And something that God changed me from and moved me to a different place. So when I say I don't like fighting, people don't understand it. Like I fought so much, like, for me to want to fight somebody back in the day, you know, I may have thought it was life or death. You know what I mean? You know, if I fall down, somebody's going to stump you out some Timberland boots or shoot you or whatever the hell else. So for me, I had to separate myself. So then fighting became just competing. It became just a chess match. It became just, you know, strategy and, you know, drowning somebody else and my technique and forcing them to come into my world. And I abandoned, you know, the kind of rough mentality that I had as a kid, but now I got to just kind of let it out a little bit. Do you consider this fight do or die for you in the UFC? Do you have to win this fight to stick around in the UFC? Um, I just got to win this fight for myself. You know what I mean? Because I can win this fight and stick around in the UFC and still not compete. My, my friend, Lynn Odie, um, told me a really, really good quote. He said, be performing centric. Think about performance. Don't think about title fights. Don't mm. think about what's next. Don't think about if I do this, then that. Just be performing centric. Think about performance. And I have a hard time believing that if I go out there and I perform to the level that I'm capable, that anybody's going to beat me in the Wall Street division. I just don't believe that. So I think it's doing that for myself. I'm tired of going out there and watching myself allow people that, in my opinion, didn't belong in the cage with me last known being able to defeat me win, and have a victory and have my name on the resume and, you know, have a victory over me that really solidified them. You know, look at Gilbert, Colby, Usman. I'm the strongest win on their record. I'm the most solidified victory on their record. They can say whatever they want, but when you look at them, without me on their record, it's not, they're not up for title shots. They're not, they're not in, they're not, they don't have a belt around their waist. Let's know I'm fighting for one. So 
it's time for me to go out there and just remember that I'm their biggest fight. I'm Vicente's biggest fight of his career. I need to make them my biggest fight. Mm. Easy to say that though, right? I mean, how, yeah. how, do you, how do you look at Vicente and say this is the biggest fight when you have fought some of the biggest names in the history of the sport? You know, and <clears throat> I was showing with Antonio McKee and, and he did a lot of psychology during this. Now he's not a psychologist, but instead of, come on, let's go, let's go. If I wasn't pushing, he'll say, Tyra, stop. What are you thinking right now? How do you feel right now? Because when I watch you fight, this is how you look in those fights. We need to work through this. Tell me what you're feeling like. What's going through your mind? And one day I just looked at him and I was like, I don't know. And that's how I felt in the fights. I didn't know. I didn't know why I didn't punch. I saw it. I saw everything. I set up everything. I trained for everything. I was in shape. Nobody stopped me. Nobody made me so tired that I couldn't hold my arms up. I just didn't go. And the first time he asked me that question, it was kind of emotional for me because I didn't have an answer for him. And, and it, he caught me. You know, somebody catch you at the right time and ask you the right question. And it's like I felt at that moment like I was feeling in those fights. And he called me out on it, and I didn't have an answer for him. But then our training became intentional, very intentional, very psychological, very um, driven on when you get right here, this is what you should be thinking. When you get in this position, this is what you should be thinking. And to get to this position, this is what you got to be willing to go to get to that position. And once you get there, you got to make sure you own it. And without even communicating with my boxing coach, without even communicating with Dean, everybody kind of was on the same page. Now, they may have been talking behind my back, text messaging, calling, but I don't know that. But from what I understand, I think spiritually everybody was in link. My coach is like, you got to move forward. This is your ring. So when I was sparring in the eighth round of sparring a pro boxer, I looked the best because mentally I'm like, this. And I just went forward. And I just wouldn't stop going forward. And same thing in training, same thing. My last sparring day, Saturday, um, Dean facilitated it. And I was just a machine. And I was just kicking and punching, kicking and punching. And no matter how many rounds we did, my, my output didn't decrease. My intensity didn't decrease. And my, my ability just to think myself through the situations and not just make it a drill and really make it the fight increase. So that's kind of how the mentality was controlled. And my goal is just to make that happen Saturday. Ultimately, did you answer that question from Antonio? Yeah, I, I, I answered that question for him. And it took a couple, actually, it took a couple of days. I was supposed to come back and, and I decided I was, I was being pushed in a way I hadn't been pushed in a while. I wasn't the, I wasn't the, the chef in the kitchen calling the shots on what they're training. I didn't know what the training was that day. And I had to go in there and do it anyway. It really didn't matter what I did earlier that day. He was still going to do whatever he had planned to do. And he asked me what I was thinking the next day or so. And I said, nobody should make me back up. Nobody. Nobody possess anything. Nobody hits as hard as Nate Marquardt. Nobody has submission um, like Damian Maya. Nobody should make me back up. He said, that's what we need to say. Hmm. So, I'm sure you've seen there's a trend lately in the UFC, former champions, former title contenders, a lot of them leaving, right? Yoel Romero, Anthony Pettis, Overeem, JDS, just to name a few. When you see that and considering the losing streak, what do you think? 
Um, I, I think everybody's everybody has their own journey, and I don't really compare my journey to Anthony's uh, nor Yoel's. Uh, you know, when you look at me, you know, I've always had a little bit different of a role than everybody else. Like, I'm not like a formal title holder. I'm a five-time champion. Anthony is my dog, but Anthony never won five world titles. You know what I mean? Yoel never won one world title. And those guys, they went on to do things that I think that some people don't understand because UFC has such a such a strong armament, such a strong brand and such a strong uh, – they're the number one, you know, um, league in mixed martial arts, you know what I mean? So you want to be in the number one league. And some people can't understand how a former champion or a title contender would want to go to a separate league. Um, they don't understand the economics behind it either. You know, those guys are going to go, it's almost kind of like a retirement deal. It's like a 401k. It's like they've done all the hard work and now they're going to another organization where they may make more money and fight opponents that aren't as um, difficult as some of the opponents they may see in the UFC. So I wish them well in their career. But for me, mine's always been about legacy and it's always been about mastery. It's always been about, about being the greatest. And I think that me losing or taking three lessons in a row, if I didn't learn from those lessons, then they become losses. You know, we talk about sounding cliche, but that's real life. I can sit back and hunker back and cry out for a river and look at Usman walk around as a champion and look at Gilbert Burns get a title shot when I could have had jumped back in the seat if I beat him. Look at, I don't even know what Kobe doing. I can't watch it because it's just too much. But, but I know he's doing something, you know what I mean? I could do that, but at the end of the day, I had to go back. What stopped me? They didn't stop me. They really didn't even beat me. I beat myself because I didn't show up. I didn't perform. I didn't execute, you know, and it was me versus me the whole time. And it took me three lessons to really recognize that. So I'm not looking at what's next. I'm not looking at if I'm going to go out here and go crazy so I can stay in the USC. I'm not looking at leaving the USC. I'm not looking at anything besides this fight. And after this fight, you know, I'm going to take this fight. And I'm going to just really just sit and look at the big picture. Like, you know, do I want to consider taking some fights at middleweight? Do I want to consider, you know, um, making another run at this welterweight title? You know, do I want to, what do I want to do? But the best scenarios are going to come from a dominant, dominant victory in this fight. Is there any chance you win this fight and, and you just walk away? From the sport? Yeah. Fighting? Um, I don't think so. I'm you just getting too, I'm just getting too I'm getting way better and it's scary to me because like I got another level. And McKee McKee at one point at the training camp asked me the same day, he said, Do you are you still in this? You know what I mean? Or do you still want to fight? Are you still in this? Because he didn't understand that my body was beat up. I've been boxing in the morning, then doing striking there, which I didn't expect to do, and then doing Muay Thai at night. So three times a day I was kicking and punching. My body was fucked up. I'm not 25. So when I went, started going to Cairo and I started getting massaged and I took one day of rest and I came back and I was a machine, that's the tyrant that he remember. But he told me my last day of training, when I, I broke all of everything we did, I, I exceeded everything, every training session, every rep, you know, all the things that he put me through. I had I had my best day on the last day. And he said, Tyron, you got another, you got another gear. You got another level. You know what I mean? But it's 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 another gear level that that people may see that you have. You got to want to tap into that. And um, I think I want to tap into that. I don't want to, um, I don't want to, I don't want to leave this for a regret. So if I got another level and many people saying I got another gear, all my coaches agreeable on it, 
I want to tap into that level. So when I start fighting hard, uh, coming away healthy, is going to allow me to be able to train in between fights. You know, you got to think about Usman. I mean, Usman fight, I went to that fight injured. Um, I went into fucking the Damian Maya fight injured. I injured my shoulder there. I injured my foot against um, Gaslam, my rib up against Kobe. My hamstring was torn against fucking, um, Robbie. And every between every fight, I never really got a chance to jump back into training and start being a student. I was rehabbing. And I was, or I was getting surgery. Rocco, chill. I was getting surgery and uh, TJ busting out. Um, I was getting surgery and I had to sit down for a minute. You know, you sit down for a minute, you get, you get fat. You know what I mean? You're not training. You got a labrum tear, you're recovering that. You got a broken foot, you're recovering that. You got a torn um, CMC joint. I messed it up in Darren Till fight when I cracked him upside a nugget. And um, there's very few fights that I came win the last four or five fights that wasn't it. Um, Gilbert Burns, I went into that fight with an injury. My, I was training for the calf kick, and I got kicked in the calf and training. And from that point over, like touch it with a pinky finger, and it'll blow up. And he found it, located. And I left the, I left the arena with my leg, my quad looking the same as my damn calf and leg. And um, took took four, four to six months to, for to really start being able to put pressure on it. So I couldn't train in between fights, and I think part of me didn't want to train either, though. So it's kind of like I'm injured, but this this fighting stuff when it's not when you kind of you kind of paint it as a certain figure, it don't really become that fun to you anymore. Because I was so happy to prove people wrong. That was my and that was my motivation. I wanted to prove everybody wrong, and I did it for years. So many times I proved everybody wrong, but when I got tired of doing that and that wasn't enough for me, then what it wasn't. I should have been trying to prove my mom right, my kids right, my coaches right. And now the mindset shifted. I don't need to prove people wrong because it's millions of those, you know, but it's maybe 20 people in my small circle that I can prove right that are taking the time out to train me and invest into me that I can prove right. So that's kind of what I'm on. Along those lines, um, after the Colby fight, there were people saying you should consider retirement. Did you ever consider it? I mean, it's funny that everybody wanted me to consider retirement, but so many fighters in the UFC, so many fighters that had lost several fights, three, four, five fights in a row, and they made such a weight class. And, oh, we forgot they lost the fight, but they get a win, or, you know what I mean? So for me, like, why would I consider retirement? I lost to the champion one and two. I didn't lose to boo-boo the fool. You know what I mean? I lost to guys that were either the champion or guys that were contending for championship fights. And I never, ever, like, it used to be the rule that somebody off of a loss fights somebody off of a loss. Not me. I lost Usman, then I fought who? Gilbert. Then I fought Kobe. Then I'm fighting Vicente. All those guys are off, off of wins. All those guys are promising prospects. All those guys have, you know, been in um, battle-tested. And um, I never, I haven't had an easy fight ever in the UFC, ever. I've never had I've never had a, a tune up. I never had a get back bounce back fight. And why would I assume to get one now? I haven't to be honest, I really haven't had an easy fight since maybe my second or third strike first fight. You mean that's the last rule. Like, okay, you're just supposed to win this fight. If you don't, you really fucked up. I haven't had those fights. When you were offered Vicente, what did you think? Like, was this guy on your radar or did it kind of catch you by surprise? Um I thought they was going to let me fight like an OG. 
Like, you know, I thought maybe like a, a Cowboy Cerrone or Tony Ferguson or, you know, uh, Kiesa or uh, Robbie Lawler. I thought it was going to be one of those fights. But to be honest, they could have cut me. They could have let me go. So I wasn't really in a picky position to be like, OK, I ain't taking this fight. Who is he? No, who am I right now? I'm not I'm not like some prom queen right now that's off of, you know, five wins in a row. You know, so at the end of the day, I'm looking at who he is and what type of fighter he is and how I can look against him. And if I fight well, I can look really good against Vicente because he's he's going to come. He's going to fight. He's going to be durable. And, you know, if you watch the way that Wonderboy fought him, you know, Wonderboy, that was Wonderboy's best fight. And it wasn't because it was his easiest fight. It's because Vicente is going to push you. He's going to keep coming back. So if you land a whole bunch of punches, it's not going to put him away. So you got to really work for three to five rounds to get him done, to get the fight done. And um, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody finish Vicente in the UFC. I don't think he's been finished. Uh, But I fought a lot of guys that hadn't been finished until, until I did it. And so at this point um, in your run, and I can, some people like to answer this question. Some people don't. I'll ask the question anyway. You can uh, answer if you want. How many fights left on your UFC deal? Do you mind telling us? <laughs> Ariel, I like you because you be, you be right to the questions, man. You know what? There's always one fight on your deal for me because you can have 10, you can have three, you can have one. But if you don't do your fucking thing, they can always say sayonara. So I don't really focus on that. I'm just focusing on this fight. And, um, you know, I want to go out there and just just be performance centric. I want to focus on performance. There's so many things I can think about. I can run you off a list thing. I can do this for my city. I can do this for my kids. I can do this for my mom. I can prove the haters wrong. I can beat this guy. I can jump right back in title contention. I can go back and avenge my loss against Gilbert, Kobe, Usman. And I can be right back in the top. I can move up to middleweight. And I can, I've already beat. Gaslam until one more win, I can jump into. I can't do that, man. All I can think about is performance, and that's that's what I'm doing. I'm minimizing everything else, reducing all the other um, distractions and the background noise, and just focusing on that. And if I can do that, you just put positive thoughts in my mind. Positive thoughts in my mind. Because sometimes you think of the negative shit all day long, and like, why would you do that to yourself? It's already a chance those things can happen. So for me, one fight. Always, it's, it's always one fight from now on, no matter what my deal says. Will Antonio McKee be in your corner on Saturday? He won't. I can only have three corners because actually, this is my first three round fight since 2015. Wow. Yeah, that is wild. So that's crazy. I haven't had a three round fight in so long. So it's my first three round fighter. Um, I can only have three cornermen. So I'm going to roll out with um, um, Dean Thomas, um, Eric Brown. I'm going with my training partner, Daryl Cobb, because of the pandemic. We can't have more people, so I really need someone that's been there with me all throughout camp that can train with me. So, McKee will be there in spirit, but um, don't be surprised if you see him in a corner in some future fights. Yeah, UFC 183, January of 2015 against Kelvin Gaslam was your last three-round fight. Yeah. What a run, man. Unbelievable. Last three-round fight, and this is my first non-main, co-main or main event fight. Well, I think you might be, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it Comey, but like, I think you, did you get bumped up because now there's no Volkanovsky Ortega? So I think you're the second to last fight. What happened in that fight? Well, you didn't see, I guess you're really in the zone. Uh, I don't watch watch it. Volkanovsky, unfortunately, got COVID. So the fight got canceled. Damn. Sorry to hear that. Um, I didn't hear that. 
So I think you might be the second to last one. Um, but you know, in any event, uh, the, the, the last time we saw you, of course, uh, you know, there was that pre-fight press conference and you were sporting the black lives matter gear, um, and didn't have a lot to say. Are you going to do a similar thing this time around for media day and whatnot? Do you, do you have a message that you want to say to people? Yeah, I mean, I still believe Black Lives Matter, no matter of course. if the presidential campaign is over with or not. But I also believe Asian lives matter, too. I got a lot of Asian friends, Vietnamese friends, Chinese friends. My Cairo that'll be out there with me is um, Chinese. And I just don't I don't I don't believe in hate in general um, of any nationality, any race, any hate crime. So um, I just don't have much to say. Like, I don't like I'm an OG right now. Like I used to be the young rising star. I'm not him no more. Like, what the fuck am I going to call somebody out? Like, who am I going to call out? I'm the person that everybody want to call out because they think I'm down and out, but they got another thing coming. So for me, what, what do you want to hear me say? You want me to promise you I'm going to win on Saturday? You want me to tell you that I've done everything in my life right now and everything's going to change? You want me to give you all my personal business and give you excuses on why I lost? No. Why? I don't owe y'all shit. All I owe y'all is to make weight and walk out there. I owe it to myself. So... I'm not gonna have much to say because there is nothing to say. If you wanna, if you wanna see what I've done, check my resume out. Check check out what I've really done. You know what I mean? Check out like look back and look and see what I did against people in their prime. Not not Robbie now. Robbie when he was fighter of the year back to back. Look at you know what I mean the people that were on those streaks and Wonder Boy when he was untouchable. You know what I mean? I look back at that fight and I look back at Wonder Boy. I was watching a fight Vicente just to study some, some film, he's, in my opinion, he's still right there. You know I mean, Wonderboy is an amazing fighter. And I like, I'm really thankful that I was able to compete against him in that era. And to beat him, man, maybe, maybe one of the best, biggest victories of my life, looking back, you know what I mean? So um, shout out to Wonderboy too. I gave him a lot of shit during those training caps and stuff. And I, I misread him. We've, we've kumbaya since then, but <laughs> I've done some remarkable stuff in this sport. And I still think the best is yet to come. I can't wait to see you back in there, my man. Uh, always great to talk to you. Great to hear that you're in a good spot mentally, physically. Yeah, I'm good. Um, I'm good. Thanks, Tyron. Go. I appreciate it. Good luck to you. I appreciate it. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. Let us say hello now to the man who's returning to action this Saturday at UFC 260, the much-anticipated return of the Sugar Show. Sean O'Malley, big fight for him against Thomas Almeida. He's kind enough to join us. Rocking that sweet Sugar sweatshirt. I believe the inspiration is uh, the 90s Phoenix Suns, right? Looks like it, yeah. Well done. Did you design that? I did not. I can't. I'm in horrible, artistic, creative that in that in that way. So I did not. Well, I wish that I can say that that was the uh, the most exciting thing to happen to you recently. But of course, I cannot say that. Even more exciting things happening to you recently. You're a proud father, Sean. Is the baby in there with you? Yeah, she's she's in the back right now. Um, it's been fucking awesome. 
It's been awesome. Mazel tov. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, wow. I mean, uh, this is incredible. I, I, and I'm always curious when, you know, I talk to people about becoming a dad, especially fighters. The big question is, did it change you? Do you have a new perspective? Do you feel differently about what you're about to go do? What are the answers to those questions? Um, I feel like, uh, oh, wait, that's another one. I, I wanted to win. I wanted to win bad before the fight or before the baby. Um, I, I've been getting that question a lot if, uh, you know, if there's more motivation there, but you know, bef- before I had a baby, I wanted to win bad. I want it, it, it hasn't changed in, in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been good. Um, and of course can't, can't, uh, ignore the fact that the last time we saw you, you suffered your first pro loss. How long, how long did it take for you to get over that? Or are you not over it yet? Over what? Uh, the loss to Marlon Vera. I don't want to talk about. So you, so this is part of the the mindset, right? Because you tweeted a few days ago that you're still undefeated. I've been saying it since fight. No, yeah, it, it's it's kind of turned into a. Do I take it right? Right? You know, it's kind of turned into a joke. But but for me, I've explained it a bunch. But I'll say it again to you. Please. Uh, I, I I don't feel I wasn't beaten that night because my skills weren't as good. I know you said. I think look thinking back on it, I think you you know it was a calf kick it, it definitely wasn't a calf kick if you go rewatch it literally his big toe hit my perennial nerve um and it and it caused drop foot you know it wasn't a calf kick calf kicks can suck they're you know they 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 hurt bad but they don't give you drop foot at least not when you you know the first one but um yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it was, uh, I didn't feel like I lost cause my skills weren't better than his. Um, I had a great training camp out of everything felt good. Just it, it happened that way, but, um, I don't feel like I lost and you know, I've got a lot of shit for saying that I'm mentally undefeated or whatever, but, um, it is what it is. I'm excited to get back in there and go perform. Uh, what, what does drop foot feel like for those that have never experienced it? Um, well, initially it, it, it felt like um, when I broke my foot against Andre's soccer mom. Uh, so, so it felt similar to that, just like numb needles. Uh, you have no control of your foot. You can't lift it. I think it happened when um, Michael Chandler fought, fought Brent Primus. And then I think it happened also when Demetrius fought Henry Cejudo, but mm-hmm. his, uh, his came back. But yeah, it just sucks. I remember, I remember dragging my foot in the cage up against up against the cage dragging my foot and it, it was just it was it was I, I didn't know what had happened it was really weird um then i remember blitzing in on him i remember rolling my ankle like three or four times and then i blitzed in on him had him covered up like a schoolgirl. i was dotting him up with one foot and then I, I stepped back and my foot completely gave out he got on top landed a nice elbow and the fight was over so and how frustrating was that it, it was, you know, it, it sucked just because it, I didn't want to, if I lost, I wanted to lose legit. I wanted to be like, damn, I, I, he was the better man. I just didn't feel like that. I didn't, I went out there, you know, and I felt good. I felt really, I, I felt like I always feel in there. I feel un, unstoppable and uh, a freak accident happened. So, you know, it, it was frustrating. You said, oh my God. Okay. Um, it was frustrating, but you know what? I'm, I, I wasn't, life's been good, you know, I knew I had my baby girl on the way. Well, I didn't know she was a girl. We didn't, we didn't find out, but I knew I had a baby on the way. Um, and I wasn't too worried. Life, I knew life was going to be good and life's still good. So it was, 
you know, things could have been a lot worse. And, and when you're um, as big of a star as you are and you're getting pushed the way you're, you're getting pushed by the UFC. And of course you're, you're a very confident fellow. Uh, usually when you suffer that first loss, you receive a lot of backlash, right? People seem to, they seem to revel in this, seeing someone uh, stumble. What was the, uh, the response like, especially online after you, you logged back on and, and saw the way people were reacting to the loss? Yeah, pe- people hate confidence. They just there's a lot of insecure people in the world, and and they just they hate confidence. They don't like seeing someone win. They don't like you know, especially when you talk. I obviously talk. I'm I'm confident. I think you know I'm I'm good. Whatever. Um, but I got a lot of hate. Um, but it, it's it's I don't know. It's 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 cool. It's whatever. I'm not too. I wasn't too worried about it. I think a lot. You know, I got that hype coming back for this fight. Um. But initially, for a, for a while, a couple months, even until recently, really, just still getting a lot of hate, get messages from 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 people. It's it's kind of funny. So I I think your mindset is fascinating, and I appreciate it. Of course, talking to fighters for as long as I have, there is a part of me that's like, hey, maybe if you haven't accepted the loss and you're chalking it up to a freak thing, maybe that's ultimately not good. Like maybe it's better to just kind of understand what happened and, and improve off that. So what would you say to someone like me who's like, hey, wait a second, you haven't come to terms with the loss yet. That could be a problem come Saturday. Yeah, I would just assume that your mindset isn't where mine's at. It's just, I don't know. I think uh, if you go watch the fight, you can see where his toe hits my perennial nerve. And it just, that that's not, I don't know. We just have diff- different opinions, different ways of looking at it. Um, we're just different people built different. <laughs> of course, 100%. You fight, I don't. You have courage, I don't. I don't possess that. I can't walk into a cage. But it, it's not like your foot just like, it wasn't like a freak thing, so to speak. He did try to attack your legs, right? Yeah, you're, you're correct. How many leg kicks have been landed since that leg kick in the UFC? And how many times does that happen? Again. It's not a common thing. It's not a common so thing. So is that a freak accident or no? If it's, how many times has it happened since the UFC has been around in the cage? I know it happened to uh, uh, Jamie Varner mm-hmm. in the octagon, and it's happened to me. And then I think it happened a little bit to uh, 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 Henry Cejudo. So is that not is that normal? How many? What well, was thousands and thousands and thousands of leg kicks that have been thrown, and it's happened those three times? Is that normal? No, no, it's very unique. It's a very unique set of circumstances, but would it be, and by the way, I'm not, I'm just trying to understand uh, the way that you are entering this fight, the kind of mindset that you have. So I hope you don't take this as uh, an insult or anything like that, but like you could say, what's the difference between that and a spinning back kick knockout? Very rare. Would you call that a freak thing as well? If, if it doesn't happen often? Uh, Spinning back kick. So if I spin and throw a spinning back kick and I hit someone in the head, I'm trying to do that. Do you think Cheeto was trying to kick my nerve with his toe or no? I don't, I don't know if do you he was trying he, to... Do you, think he went in, do you think he went into that fight thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick his nerve? If he would have kicked my calf and like, gave me a dead leg and I l- fell over because my calf, which is could totally happen, uh, then I'd be like, fuck, that motherfucker beat me. Fair and square. If he would have said in an interview, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to kick him in his nerve and put his lights out then i'd be like damn that motherfucker's good he he called that shit. but the fact that it happened like that people that aren't in my mind so anybody really 
to, to understand that and to get it. So I guess, you know, getting, getting, uh, I, I do see where other people are coming from it. Like your opinion, like he, he threw the kick, it landed. It is. It, he did that. But for me, it's just, it doesn't make sense that way. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, is this a fight that you would like back at some point? And I'm, uh, he said, quote unquote, I will not fight Sean O'Malley for any amount of money. I was terrified in there. So, I mean, that's up to him. Okay. But for you, like, is this, is this like a goal of yours to try to get this one back? Um, it'd be good. It'd be good. I mean, it'd make sense to, you know, f- claim my undefeated and, uh, but you can't make someone fight you. Um, I got Tom. I'm, pre- I'm focused on Thomas. Thomas is a, a legit opponent. I know he's not, he's coming off a good losing streak, but he's a legit opponent. And the losses he's, uh, had in the last couple fights have been to good guys. So I'm, I'm focused on Thomas right now. Um, and I think, I think once I'm champ, if, you know, climb the rankings and get to that title fight, yeah, I'll get the rematch. But until then, it's like, I might as well give Eddie Wineland a rematch too. Mm-hmm. Did you ask for Thomas or did the UFC approach you with Thomas? They, they asked me, Thomas, I made it back in February and I said, hell yeah. I was okay you you uh you cut out there for a second i think you said they approached you in february and you said yes yeah they approached me in february um and i was i was excited i was pumped to fight february 13th i think it was uh but then they came back and said thomas said he needs at least another month and a half to fight someone as good as you okay so uh uh a storyline going into the last fight was the fact that you kind of created your own gym right in the warehouse you got the the cage and all that did you do the same sort of thing for this fight or are the uh, restrictions a little different this time around yeah i actually i bought a house with a huge garage on it and threw it in in my backyard so my, my cage is at my house now um we i've been training there i've been training at the lab still um uh, training at Tenkinho's gym. It, it's super stressful trying to not just avoid as many people as possible, but still get good training in. Um, so it's pretty, it's kind of stressful, especially we got tested Wednesday, just waiting to hear the results. And it's going it, to, it adds a level of stress to, to the fight that I'm not used to. So it was kind of just like, I want Thomas to get to the fight. I want me to get to the fight. I want us to both make weight. And, and you know, there's people pulling out day of the fights of, for COVID. So I just, you know, once we're making that walk, I believe it's truly happening. So it is a little extra stressful just having to deal with that. Do you feel like you have something to prove in this fight, Sean? Yeah, I think uh, in yeah, I do. I think I'm uh, I think I'm way better than people think I am. Um, so that's exciting. I get to go prove that to them, but I also get to prove it to myself. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like I have something to prove. I, I think. I think I'm going to feel like that every fight. I'm going to always, always have something to prove that I'm, I'm as good as I say I am because I talk a lot. I say I'm this good and then I have to go and prove it. So it's, it's, it's fun. Um, and so going back to my original question, I mean, when I asked you about getting over the fight, do you feel like you'll only, you know, like to say, oh, I'm better than people think I am. Well, you can do that on Saturday. You can show people then you're, that you are better than they think, uh, than they think you are on Saturday. So do you feel like you'll be able to kind of move on from the, the Vera fight come Saturday with a big performance or in your mind, it's completely like, you don't even think about it, stress about it or anything. 
yeah, I'm, in, in my mind, I'm, I'm pretty over it. And I know um, people think I don't like Cheeto. They think I don't like him. They think I hate the guy. He's got a family. He's got kids. He's got a wife. He's got, he lives a similar life to I live. He, he trains jiu-jitsu, trains MMA. He's at the UFC. He, he seems like he eats pretty healthy. He's got a family. Like, I don't hate the guy at all. I just it, it just happened to be him that I fought and then that happened with. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not – I don't hold any bad will towards him or anything like that. Um, I'm also in the inter- – this is the entertainment business. Things I say, this is an entertainment business at the end of the day. So I'm going to say what I need to say for people to see to see me or, or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're in the entertainment business, and I'm going to – I like building fights. And, and it's fun. And so uh, as far as like, I don't, I don't close my eyes and think about, you know, think about it, get upset. Um, I was pretty much over it shortly after the fight. You know, it, it is what it is. Okay. It. Uh, by the way, just curious, cause it's your division. What'd you make of the whole Aljamain Sterling, Piotr Jan situation? Peter's a gangster. That was, a, that was a sweet fight. I, I think, he's probably got the sweetest style. Uh, he's probably my favorite style fight. That was, it was sweet. I like his boxing. Um, you know, he took Aljo down seven times or something like that. Uh, it, it, that was, a, that was a sweet fight. Like he, he stayed patient. Aljo came out fast, came out aggressive, pretty much gassed out. And, and Peter was still there. And then uh, I think Peter would have probably ended up getting the finish later on in that fight. But Aljo's, Aljo's the champ now, but I, I, I think, uh, I think if they rematch, I think Peter probably wins that fight. But uh, the division's insane right now. We got Cody, Rob Font. That's a badass fight. Corey, TJ, that's a badass fight. There's just so many fights right now in the division. That it, it's truly the best division in the UFC right now, hands down. I was just going to say that you can make a very strong case. It's the most interesting division and 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 um, the one that features the most contenders at the very top. Have you mapped out? Like the, the the path to get to those guys, like after Almeida, who who would be on your mind? I honestly haven't even thought about it. I'm so focused on March 27th, Saturday night, Thomas Almeida, that I'm not I'm not I'm not thinking like that. Uh, I haven't thought about who's next. I didn't think about when I'm going to come back. You know, one thing that last fight reminded me of that I already knew is that fighting crazy. Anything can ha- anything can happen. Like. Crazy shit can happen. It's pointless. It's pointless for me to say, "Oh, I want to get back in the cage in June and, and whatever." Mm-hmm. So it's it's, it's uh, I'm just going with the flow. But March has been a really good year for me. I fought fought Andre um, in March and I fought Jose Quinones in March. And I remember a couple of pro fights early on in my career in March that I knocked someone out too. So you know, March is a really good a really good month for me to be. Yeah, you made your debut in March of 2015 against Josh Reyes, and then you also won against Irvin Bellos in March of 2017. You see how I know about your career, Sean? Yeah. Off the top yeah. of my head right there. I mean, come on. That was good. Um, okay, and so what about the hair this time? What are we doing with the hair? It's always very fun to see what you do with it. Yeah, we're, I'm heading to the Danny's Hair Salon right now. We're going to go do my hair. It's, it's kind of like a little secret right now because I can't tell you too much, but it's oh. going to be sweet. It's going to be badass. Um, it always is badass, but it's going to be even more badass. It's fun. I think it adds, you know, people want to see characters and they want to see, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like a character in a video game when I'm in there. That's how I feel. So, you know, I think adding that hair, hair to it makes, uh, 
you know, makes people, you know, casuals want to follow my, my career outside the octagon. They want to follow me on social media. They want to know what I'm doing. So it's, it's cool. I think it's, it's part of the entertainment business. For sure. And is it shorter than usual? It looks like it's a little shorter or is it just because it's down? No. Yeah. My hair is, my hair is definitely real long right now. Oh, okay. um, I just, wa- just uh, washed it though. I might just be a little curly. Okay. I understand. But it's definitely, uh, it's definitely damaged from all of the color we've done to it. It's, it's, uh, it's not the healthiest. I've heard, I've heard that happens. Uh, yeah. You're a podcaster as well these days. Are you enjoying that? Yeah. T- the Timbo sugar show. We, uh, we say a lot of things on there and some people get, uh, get very upset with it. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think it's fun. It's nice. Uh, I don't have to limit or uh, monitor myself too much. You know, I still technically have a boss, the UFC, Dana, but for the most part, I don't have to monitor myself. I can say whatever I want. We're not bought out by anybody. And we can, uh, I mean, Tim and I are, um, we like to say up stuff. So it's, it's nice. We can say that. And, and, and honestly, we've helped a lot of people. We talk about eating healthy, you know, um, getting good sleep, doing, doing, doing good things for your body. And uh, we've helped a lot of people. We've Set had a lot a- of, we've had a- We've had a new, like, probably 10 plus people move down to Phoenix to come train with us at Tim's gym from the podcast. So wow. it's awesome. Wow. Uh, the setup is cool. Props on that. I think, I think you may be alluding to the whole Megan Anderson situation there. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you regret how that was handled? Do you regret anything that was said? I know Casey apologized, but what about you? I didn't say anything bad, did I? No, no, but I'm just saying the fact that it was on, you know, on your show, do you regret it? Um, I think that's just a good, I mean, you can't let some, if someone, you can't let someone else's is words affect how you feel emotionally. If you said something about me and I, I don't know, I, I, it's, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, uh, you know, she's not a coworker anymore, so it is what it is. Okay. Fair enough. Um, well, it's, uh, like I said, it's a good setup and it's, it's always good to see the fighters doing things outside. You, uh, you have a great business going on and congratulations. I know you signed with, uh, Gary V and Vayner sports recently. Why them? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I was approached by every manager in the, in the, you know, UFC marketing or, uh, I've been approached by them all. Gary got me fired up. Um, and we'll see. We'll see what he can do. A lot of people promise a lot of money and stuff. So we'll, we'll see if he comes through. I believe he will. That's why I signed with him. Um, but we'll see. You know, it's like talks cheap. But Gary, Gary seems to, you know, he's obviously a very smart person. His team so far has been good. So we'll see if they uh, do what, what they say they can do. Yes, every manager has asked me for your, your information uh, since knowing that you're a free agent. Uh, I didn't give them anything. I just want to let you know. So, uh, you, you know, but the, you were you were definitely a hot commodity uh, before the Vera fight and after the Vera fight. So at least in their minds, you are uh, you are undefeated still to this day. <laughs> uh, Sean, I appreciate it. Good luck to you on Saturday. Again, congrats on the baby. Uh, nothing more special than that, especially a, a, a beautiful baby girl. So congrats to you and to Danny as well. And uh, good luck on Saturday. Looking forward to it very much. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. So great stuff there from Stipe Miacic, Tyron Woodley, and Sugar Sean O'Malley, three of the bigger names competing on this weekend's UFC 260 pay-per-view card. Of course, we were supposed to get two title fights on this card. Unfortunately, Alexander Volkanovsky 
tested positive for COVID. So his featherweight title fight against Brian Ortega, sadly canceled late last week. So we're getting one title fight. It's a fantastic title fight. Stipe versus Francis too. Amazing stuff. But uh, we did lose that second title fight. We're getting Vicente Luque versus Tyron Woodley. Thomas Almeida versus Sean O'Malley. Jamie Malarkey versus Kama Worthy. Some other names of note on the prelims. Alonzo Menafield. Looking forward to his return. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. Looking forward to his uh, fight against Jared Gordon. Jessica Penne returning after a long layoff as well. Uh, Miranda Maverick versus Jillian Robertson is an interesting fight at 125 pounds that was supposed to happen uh, around a month or so ago. So the prelims kick off as of now at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus, um, and then main card is at 10 p.m. Eastern exclusively on ESPN Plus here in America. Want to let you know that I'm doing a radio show on ESPN Radio Thursday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we take a lot of calls from the fans. I love interacting with the fans. We'll have some guests as well. So this will be right before the weigh-ins. Not a lot of intrigue as far as the weigh-ins are concerned this time because it's two heavyweights who don't typically have trouble making weight. But always great to get that uh, airtime on ESPN Radio. So put that in your calendar. We've got the weigh-in show Friday morning, we got Aaron the Bad Guy on ESPN Plus Wednesday and Thursday. We got Aaron Bad Guy preview show on Saturday before the fights. No shortage of stuff to discuss and no shortage of content as well. Also, no shortage of MMA action in addition to 260. Uh, Brave on Thursday. And there's an interesting name on that card that you're going to want to uh, look out for. His name is Mohamed Mohaev. Uh, a big-time prospect out of Dagestan, now living in England. So that's Brave FC, excuse me, Brave CF 49, uh, Titan FC 68. Also on Friday, LFA on Friday, UFC 260, like I said, on Saturday. The fun never stops in MMA. So again, thank you to our guests. Thanks to all of you. Thank you for continuing to rate, download, review, subscribe, follow, all those things. Very important. I'll talk to you on Thursday, perhaps Friday, perhaps Saturday as well. Enjoy the fights, my friends. Back next week, same time and place. Tell us, say peace. I'm out of here.